Welcome to the Accountants Exposed podcast, where we create light bulb moments for our listeners by exposing the journeys, secrets, and insights of some of the top players in accounting. This podcast is brought to you by Michael Edelstein, Director and Founder of Recruitment Expert, a specialist accounting recruitment agency working across Australia, New Zealand, and Asia Pacific. Ladies, gentlemen, and accountants, I'm excited to have Natalie Lennon on our podcast. She's everything a modern accountant is all about. Tax savvy, shrewd with social media. But besides being able to TikTok away, she has also won the 2021 Accountant of the Year Award. Today, we talk about all sorts of things, from her rapid progression to manager, to her boredom in commerce, to being a young female equity partner in her 20s, navigating a boys club in a boardroom. But wait, there is more. We cover all things accounting, dealing with struggling clients during the pandemic, using tech, social media, and of course, outsourcing to manage rapid growth. So tune in, enjoy, and please share the podcast. Hi, Natalie. Welcome to the Accountants Exposed podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, Michael. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited. Well, I was going to say, like, what are all those things in the background, by the way? Are they like soundproof? Yeah, yeah they're soundproofing. Yeah, we've got our little podcast your... studio. Okay. Yeah, because yeah. you run your own podcast. Yes. Um, I think it's called Totally Bossing It. Yes, correct. Yeah, yeah. Okay. What was the inspiration behind that? I've always wanted to like I always wanted to do a podcast for the last couple of years, but I could never really think of the topic because I was like, people don't want to listen to an accountant just go on about accounting things. It's not very exciting. Um, and then when COVID hit and the businesses were starting to come out of it and we were hearing all these really fantastic stories, I thought that's it. That's exactly what my podcast is going to be about. So it's a mix mm-hmm. of me interviewing uh, small businesses and how they've thrived and pivoted, you know, that lovely word that everyone loves now since COVID um, and, and what they're doing now. Uh, and then also doing a couple of episodes here and there with me talking about the accounting stuff. Okay. Awesome. Are you, are you still doing that now that we're back in lockdown? Oh, there's been a bit of a hiatus. Um, I, I was going to say like COVID, like, you know, it was kind of like it started, but it never left. I know, I know. Well, there's not <laughs> been, you know, there's not been too many businesses that are bossing it at the moment. And to be honest, I haven't really felt in the right heads, like in a positive headspace, you know, to be doing it. So I'm, I'm hoping to resume in a couple of weeks. Yeah, okay. Tell me about the positive headspace bit. How come? I think just, you know, lockdown 2.0 hit a little bit harder. Um, you know, speaking to our friends in Melbourne when they went into their second lockdown and I think all of us said, oh, you know, lockdown 2, we've done it before, we know what to do, we just roll with it, it's all fine. But I think it does hit differently and I think this time too because and up until now I guess there's been sort of no end in sight. It's sort of just like we're locked down, we don't know when it's going to end, you know, what does the future look like? Whereas I think when it first hit last year we all thought, oh, this will blow over in a month or two and we'll all be back to living our life, you know. <laughs> it's a bit more optimism there. Yeah, yeah, whereas now it doesn't feel that way. How has it affected you though? Oh, I think, you know, as a as a business owner, as a leader of a team, I think you've always got to be positive and, you know, try and be upbeat for your team. Mm. Um, and so I feel like sometimes uh, that makes it additionally hard because, you know, you're strong for your team and then as soon as, you know, you switch off, you're at home on your own or with your partner, you sort of start thinking, you know, about things. And I think yeah. similar to last time, you know, I'm I'm dealing with, 
clients every day who can't pay their bills, who are really struggling, and you can't help but take some of that on board personally. Um, mm. and, and obviously, you know, we've got a small business as well. And we've been a little bit quiet. Uh, my husband also has a gym, so he's closed. Um, ah, that's okay. Yeah, because because you told me your husband has a business as well. Yeah, but I didn't know. Okay, so he runs a gym. What kind of yeah, gym? Yeah, yeah. So it's a small a small studio, a small yeah. group group training. So he moved okay. outside initially, and then the day that um, you know it was announced we couldn't do outdoor training anymore, he came home and yeah he he was not in a good way. So I guess dealing with that as well. This is a, this is interesting. So. Like for me, the biggest impact of me has been like literally, and it sounds bad, but it's probably just the fact that gyms are closed. Yeah. And also, <laughs> I, I guess my wife, I, I see her 24-7 now, whereas before she would go to work and I would have, you know, more, a bit more alone time. That's probably yeah. the only impact. Yeah. Um, but there's a guy next door um, to our house. He runs a cross, like he owns a CrossFit oh, business. Yeah. And I was surprised, but he actually does, he's still doing outdoor training. One-on-one? But only two people at a time. Yeah, there's a bit like of a loophole. Very spaced out. Yeah, there's a bit of a loophole there. I was like, yeah, I was like, what the hell? I didn't know there was a possibility. You're not supposed to, but yeah. So there is a loophole. Yeah, well, the, the health the health orders um, say that two people can exercise together. Yeah. But then there's another part which says if you're at work, you're exempt. So I think a lot of trainers took that to be, well, we can do three <laughs> because the third one's exempt, whereas... Yeah, my husband didn't take it that way. And he called, you know, Service New South Wales and got all the rules and, you know, because you don't want to be getting fined. I guess the risk is yeah. the risk is low. Well, he he on... said he checked it as well and then, you know, apparently it's fine. So I was like, okay, cool. So what he is doing is he tried the online thing. He's like, no, nah, the online thing is, you know, I hated it. So he does um, a park. He sets up the equipment and he yeah. has two people really, like, Spread spaced out. out. Um, and then he, has, he does them half an hour. Every half hour, two more people. Every half hour, two separate people. Um, and that's what he's been doing with lockdown, yeah. except when it rains, obviously. Yeah, and I think CrossFit's one where you need the weights. See, we, my husband's gym is like weights and functional training. So mm. he's loaned out a lot of the gear and doing it on, on Zoom, doing a, a couple of one-on-ones. Um, but, yeah, a lot of the trainers are doing it tough because they're doing, you know, triple the hours for, yeah. you know, less money and trying to just churn out those one-on-ones or two-on-ones. And they lose the memberships as well. Yeah, Because like, uh, the friends that I have that do it, they're like, look, we're still doing it, but it's like, you know, 40 to 60% less. Yeah. In terms of member numbers. Yeah. Um, it's tough. Have you found the businesses that, like your clients, have they been a lot more affected compared to last year? We've actually found the reverse. Um, we've okay. had Yeah, we've had quite a few less than last time. Uh, but I guess it comes down to industry mix. You know, we've probably got three gyms. Um, we've probably got maybe four beauty. Like we've only got mm-hmm. a few that are fully closed. Um, we've got a couple of cafes. They've been hardly hit. Um, sorry, hard hit. Retail, um, I think in the beginning they were okay and now they're really starting to get hit. So I think it's hard too because a lot of the businesses that are still doing okay are worried about what happens if it goes on a bit longer. Um, yeah. whereas there's some that know as soon as they open again, they're going to really thrive. So it's so basically like the B2B ones are okay. The B2C are struggling. Yeah. Cool. And you got a, a whole studio like for your podcast, like straight away. Well, we had, <laughs> this is my equipment, by the way, this yeah. is literally, you know, <laughs> and I, now I feel bad because you've got like a pop filter, proper microphones, a whole studio dedicated to it. Well, like I said before, Michael, all the gear and no idea. Like yeah. people who know me know that I'm like zero to a hundred. If I'm in, I'm in. 
So it just so coincided that we moved offices just after COVID last year. Um, we got a really good deal uh, on a bigger space, obviously due to COVID. Thanks, COVID. Yeah, um, <laughs> Yeah, and so it was an empty space and we had to put up all the walls. So I thought, well, one of the biggest problems with recording my podcast before was our old office had really thin walls. So I was sitting mm. under my desk with a bean bag um, <laughs> trying to do it. Or if I did it at home, the dogs would get in the way. So I thought, right, it's only a little bit extra to put the insulation in the walls um, yeah. to build a studio, it obviously doubles as a meeting room, and we've got, yeah, some pretty wallpaper and some funky things on the on the wall to help with the sound. Are you coming to the office every day? Uh, only three days at the moment. I'm training a new team member. So we're trying to just do, you know, a little bit of office, a little bit of home because um, she's a junior. So it is really hard to give them that training via Zoom. That's what every, all of my clients says. Like, look, the, the seniors, the managers have been with us for like three plus years. Yeah. They can work from home. They're productive, no issues. But the juniors, they really, really struggle. Yeah. Yeah. And look, we're lucky. I only live five minutes up the road and she lives the next suburb over. Um, yeah. So we've been really lucky in that respect. There's We've only got one team member who's in one of the LJs of concern, uh, but she's more mm -hmm. senior. So she's, she's fine. We were joking the other day. She doesn't know when she'll get to see us again. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We shouldn't laugh, so, yeah. but she was laughing. So is it just the two of you coming into the office or yeah, just the like two of us a lot of the team? Yeah. Yeah. Because it's interesting, like I speak to some people and like, no, nah, I'm still coming to the office. I'm like, and your staff? Some of them do, some of them don't. As long as I don't force them to, I'm okay. Yeah. Um, Look, we, we made the decision fairly early on because we are in the cloud. We just, we'll just do it. Um, and I sort yeah. of did say to our other two juniors, if you want to come and work from the office, you can. Um, but they just decided for now, especially with the case numbers increasing, it's just safer for everybody to work from home. Hmm. How do you find in terms of productivity and sort of the client experience? Yeah, so we've, I guess we're trying to do a lot of um, team building and, and extra things for the team. So we've implemented uh, morning and afternoon tea breaks, half an hour, get up, go for a walk around the block, take some time. Uh, we're doing yoga on a Thursday morning as well. So I've said mm -hmm. to them at the moment, we're not really focused on productivity. We want to, yes, we want to get the work done, but mental health is really important um, because I know I almost burnt myself out last lockdown, you know, working way too much and I didn't want them to do that as well. Okay. Are you running the yoga part or? No. So one of our clients has got a um, Pilates studio and yoga. So okay. they're running one on Zoom for us. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Um, what's the difference in terms of how you manage it? Like you said, you nearly burnt out last time, which I think a lot of accountants do. Yeah. Um, how did you manage it this time differently? Well, I didn't to start. To start, I promised myself I wouldn't. And then, you know, I think the I think the main thing is is that with all the changes, you've got to be on top of it because if you're not mm. and you miss something, like last year I was watching every single news conference, every single news, 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, 6 a.m., you know, I was like the go-to for job keeper. And then I think one yeah. day I switched off and went, no, I'm, I'm going to have a day off today, and they made a massive announcement and then I was like, oh, I can't. So I sort of went through that again this time. And I guess, you know, I feel like the clients need me at that time. So I'm like 24-7, here's my mobile. If you need me, ring me, text me. I don't care what time it is, just, you know. And I think mm. that's just me wanting to go above and beyond for my clients. And that's sort of settled now, which is great. I think this time I tried to do a lot more exercise. So last time I sort of was like, I don't have time to exercise. I'm too busy and just kept yeah. with the work. Um, and then yeah, what your yeah. husband have to say about that? 
Yeah, he was, <laughs> let's, not, <laughs> let's not go there. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Is a client just asking, hey, you know, what are my options? Or is a client running and going, hey, we need to kind of update all our paperwork and get the numbers in so we can, we're eligible to apply? Like, um, so I guess let's split that into two parts. So mainly what am I eligible for? So what I did, I, I did a blog post, which I updated every single day with changes. And I said, yeah. here's the link. I'm going to update this every day. And then I did a mail out and a social post to say, look, these are the changes. This is what I've updated. And then we had a link at the bottom to say, here's my diary. If you need to book in a 15 minute call, book it in. Uh, and that yeah. worked quite well because last year we had so many more people were just booking a call for a chat and crying and, you know, just letting it all out and having a chat. So we knew that we needed to do that again. Um, and most of our clients we do bookkeeping for as well, and they're all on zero. So they're all up to date. They're done every month. Um, yeah. And what we, so you know straight away they were yeah, eligible. Yeah, so we eligible. could basically log in, look at the numbers and go, yep, you're eligible. No, you're not, um, which was really okay. good. I think last year too, because it reinforced why we do that. You know, we had a couple mm. of clients that always felt like we were chasing them and always on their back to get, you know, things up to date. And we had quite a few say, hey, I'm actually really happy you're a pain in my bum because <laughs> I know that we just log, you can log in, help me with the grants and move on. Whereas they had friends yep. and friends of friends who were years behind and then couldn't get anything until yep. they were up to date. Yeah. Do you push anything back on the client and go, look, you've got zero, figure it out. <laughs> you know, like this is this is what the government said, go and do your numbers, you know, and then I'll write up the letter for you. Oh, a, a bit of both. So some of the, what we did was we said, look, here here it is. If you don't understand it, reach out and we can help you. And then yep. some of the clients who, you know, really understand their zero file would come back and go, hey, these are the dates, these are the amounts. And then we'd obviously check it and do the letter. But yeah, some some clients don't have any idea, and so they really need us to do the whole thing for them. Do you charge for that or not? We did, yeah. We we did a couple of freebies uh, for clients mm -hmm. that really really needed it. Um, but yeah, I think we worked out last year during JobKeeper from the beginning, we had to price it and get paid up front as hard as it is, because there was a lot of work that went you know in the background, you know. Easter weekend, I was there, I think on Good Friday, they released some of the changes to the JobKeeper and I spent Good Friday reading through it. And so in my mind, I was like, I've done a lot of extra work for this and we yeah. have to get paid. We know everybody's struggling, but we're running a business too and we can't, you know, we can't work for free. How did you price it? Because I mean, some of the stuff is nice and quick, some is not, depending on how many people ask questions, et cetera. Like... We did a fixed fee. So some we lost money on some, we made a bit of money on um, okay. some we did with a, fee, a fixed fee with an hourly attached for our bigger clients. They're a bit more involved, mm -hmm. you know, in terms of job keeper, some that had say 50 employees and we had to go yep. through the payroll and set all that up and all of that. Mm. But this time around, most of them didn't really take that long unless they were a new business. But you still had the fixed fee for the, mostly for the letters and like the submission. Is that basically? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause we had what to obviously sort of fixed um, what did we do? I think we started off 200 yeah. and then we found that was a little bit cheap compared to what everyone else was doing and how much it was taking. So then we put it up to $300. Is that the standard now? What are the I don't know. It doing? seemed to vary. You know, some accountants doing it for free, some charging that's $500. The, yeah, that's what I noticed. Yeah. There's a lot that are doing it free. Some were charging, some started to charge, you know, in the second time around, not the first time around. Yeah. 
it's hard and it's a really delicate thing. You know, you know your clients are really struggling. Yeah. But you you can't work for free, so you you know. You How do the clients react to it? Most were pretty good. Most were pretty yeah. good. I think we had one or two that said, "Look, we're really really struggling. We can't afford to pay you. Can we pay later?" Um, mm-hmm. And some of those we just did for free for them. When we looked at the figures and we went, "Look, you're eighty percent down. Don't worry about it." Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You you could have done like the whole tax refund thing. It's like, cool. We'll get you the grant. We'll take the money off the you know off the top. Yeah, but then the admin work for that. It's not even worth it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. Okay. Interesting. So, and now it's settled down a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Now we're just into compliance and getting all of that done. Okay. Um. Back, like, well, let's actually talk about your journey because you've been in account slash accounting before you even decided to do an accounting degree. Yeah, long Um, time. Yeah, tell me a bit more about that journey. Yeah, so I guess when I left school, I didn't really know, you know, what I wanted to do. Um, I knew mum and dad weren't going to pay for uni and I knew I didn't really want a hex step for something that I didn't didn't know and I wanted to buy a car. So I was like... Do you are conscious of that, the whole Hexstead thing? Because like I find most people, because you don't have to ever pay, like you just sign a form and the government pays for it. No one even cares about it. Yeah, I don't know. I think just in my mind, I was like, I don't know. I don't know. I'd like to say that back then I was very, um, you know, good with my money and, you know, really organised and everything else. But I I don't know. It just just had it in my mind that I didn't want an extra debt. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Is that, is, that, is that like your, your mum and your nan rubbing off because you said they were bookkeepers and accountants? Yeah, I think, prob- I think probably. Like mum always run, ran a pretty tight, you know, family budget. So I think yeah. that was probably instilled to me from a young age without, you know, even realising it. Um, so, yeah. Do, so, you, do you do the family budget now? And then I you do, run a tight yeah. ship as well? Yeah. My husband okay. says to me, oh, you could be cooking the books and I wouldn't even know. <laughs> 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 yeah. Do you give him an allowance and go, look, you've got a hundred bucks this, oh. this week. It's been, it's been a tight week, you know? No, I rein him in sometimes when he's been buying too many uh, running shoes. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. So you were basically you left school. You weren't a hundred percent sure what you want to do, but you ended up in accounts though. Yeah. So I guess at that stage, I knew I wanted to dress up and go into the city and be all professional. So I had a job before I even finished year 12. So I knew that when I came back from schoolies, I was starting work straight away, Um, which, you know, a lot of my friends wanted to have summer and hang out. And I was like, no, I want to get in there and and start. So I started as a um, junior admin and Mm -hmm. it was a really small software company, really great little team. And I guess I then started doing a bit of MYB, so a bit of invoicing, accounts payable, found it really interesting and um, decided then to start TAFE. So then I went off to TAFE a couple of nights a week. Then it got a little bit much because I live about 45 minutes, probably 45 minutes to an hour from the city. So, you know, late nights at TAFE and then getting up early to get on the train took its toll. Mm. Um, And then I got a job closer to home in an accounting firm, a chartered accounting firm. And I guess I was really inspired by everybody around me uh, and, you know, saw the chartered accountants and how they were, you know, held in such high esteem and decided, right, if I want to really, um, you know, take this somewhere, I need to go off and, and do uni. So then I went off and did uni part-time while I was working there. Were you still an admin or were you working kind of as a No, sorry, I, I went, when I started there, I was like doing accounting. Yeah. Yeah. So I sort of okay. gave the admin away. I think I was there about twelve months. Um, so 
people do hold accountants in high esteem after all? <laughs> well, I think we're all right. What do you think? <laughs> I think so. The trusted advisor lives yeah. on. Yeah. I think I think yeah. that's one good thing that COVID's shown is that people do need a good accountant. Mm. Did you pick up a lot of new clients because of COVID? We did. We did. Last year we picked up quite a few and I think – I think that also came from the fact that we were so active on social. We did a bunch yeah. of free uh, weekly webinars at one stage. Um, we established a Facebook group where we were sharing a lot of the content as well. So mm -hmm. people were, I guess, you know, inviting their friends and family into the group and pushing everything out. So, yeah, we got quite a few clients that were saying, you know, their other accountant couldn't help them, um, didn't do payroll. This yeah. is what I was trying to figure out. It's like, you know, all I hear is, well, the people I guess I, in, I interview for the podcast is like, yeah, we picked up a lot of, you know, clients. We grew this, you know, 50 plus percent, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, are all these clients, you know, coming from other accounting firms? If so, who is losing them? And Or are they just like people that never had an account, an account and more? You know, those people like never do tax returns? I think there was, a, we got a couple of those. Uh, but I think we also got quite a few that came from accounting firms that didn't do bookkeeping. So if I think back mm -hmm. to the other accounting firms I used to work in, we never did bookkeeping and payroll. Like, yeah, we did the bookkeeping to do the BAS, but we didn't really do, I guess, the traditional, you know, bookkeeping payroll piece. So a lot of those accountants, yeah. you know, weren't ready to help their clients with JobKeeper. Whereas most of ours were already on zero, already fully set up, single touch payroll, everything. All we had to do was obviously go, this is how you do it in zero. If you need help, let us know. And this is how we do it. Hmm. So I think so that's what did those clients struggled. do, the ones that didn't do bookkeeping? Do they, they have an external bookkeeper or do they just do it themselves and then submit the stuff to the account? I think a mix of both. I think there's still quite a few um, business owners who are doing things very old school and not realising they need single touch payroll and all of those things. And some of the accountants don't advise them. So they just keep, mm -hmm. you know, rolling on not knowing any better. And then when we pick up the job, we're like, there's no single touch payroll. You need a system. You need this. You need that. Um, so we have that. Do they ever look at you and go, that sounds expensive. Zero sound like my Excel spreadsheet is cheap. They Zero do. sounds expensive. STP payroll yeah. sounds expensive. Yeah, they do. But then when I tell them if they get an audit, that's going to sound very expensive. And I've had, <laughs> had one client at my, at the old accounting firm who, um, he would laugh if he heard me talking about this. He didn't want zero, didn't want MYB, wanted to be on spreadsheet. And then he got a GST audit. They went back five years or maybe three. And we had to put three years worth of information into MYB so we could get the GST detailed ledger out. And that was not a very cheap process, let me just say. And he, he, yeah, definitely said, I know you told me so and I should have listened. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, cool. So you, you went to uni, finished it within a couple of years, and then you quickly progressed to manager in that accounting firm. So I think I was probably... Like I wasn't managing anybody below me, but at that stage, you know, I had the title of manager. But in saying mm -hmm. that, small firms are very different to your traditional bigger firm. You know, manager there might not mean the same as manager, you know, in a bigger firm. Um, and I think when you start as a junior, sometimes you even though you have progressed and you're qualified, you still get treated as a junior. Like they always see you as that younger uh, person. Mm -hmm. Um, so I guess I reached a stage where I thought the grass was greener and more money in commercial land. So yeah. then I went into commercial for a number of years, moved up quite quickly there. 
uh, was a finance manager and just really felt like I was the glorified female sitting on the boardroom table. Um, and I won't even repeat some of the comments that the director made during that time. Uh, but let's just say I felt like a bit of a glorified bookkeeper um, slash manager of bookkeepers. It didn't really, like the money was great and, you know, having finance manager on my business card, I think I would have been 27 at that stage, so that was pretty cool. Um, but it just wasn't my passion. And I think I knew that, you know, being out of tax for a couple of years, I needed to make the decision because the longer you, the longer you're out of tax, you know, you mm. lose all that tax knowledge. Um, so then I went back into back into practice, uh, where I was fortunate enough to become partner within six months, um, as the founding partner had some health issues and and he wanted out. Um, so I guess I have had a, you know, bit of an interesting journey that's got me, you know, to where I am today. What was that decision making process like? Like when you said, you know, did you have to talk to a few mentors did you look for opportunities to say look if I find the right opportunity then I'll go back to practice or was it like you know what tried both I actually want to be a partner I like practice I like dealing with clients like what was that kind of internal process or external process like you know it wasn't even at that stage that I wanted to be a partner it was more just about I want to go back into tax and who will have me because I at that stage I felt like my confidence was a bit shot after being treated mm. like you know the token female I felt like I'd forgotten a bit of my tax knowledge. Um, and so I just really wanted to slot back into, you know, a firm where I could just get back into the, you know, the rhythm of tax. Did you have to take a pay cut? I did, yeah. Yeah, because that's, that's always an issue for a lot of people coming back from commerce. And, yeah. and, and I should point out, like, it is rare. It happens. Yeah. Um, but there's not many that go back, you know. Yeah, and I think it was about from memory, and this was, I guess I was in the city and then I came back to a more local firm mm. and it was about 15000 pay cut. How did you feel about that? Oh, look, I didn't feel good, but I knew I was, you know, onto a good wicket when I went into the city. And, you know, you think about the travel time, the quality of life, you know, it's very hard to get up and go to the gym before you have to be on the, you know, on the train early. You know, then you don't get home till late, whereas if you're in a local firm, the travel times, you know, not as much. You can have a yeah. bit more of a life. So I guess I had to balance all of that up. And I knew that if I took the pay cut, then the pay rises would come again. I just had to really buckle down, roll up my sleeves and get into it. It's mm. exactly what I advise to sort of our accountants as well, but they really struggle with that. Like, you know, because you, the longer you spend... Um, at a certain financial level, hard, you know, you know yeah. how they say like your expenses adjust and, and start yeah. to creep up towards your income as well. Yeah. It's hard to go back down because, yeah. uh, you know, now you're accustomed to buying fancier cocktails at the bar, you know, yeah. buying a nicer car and all that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, a lot of them struggle, even though they're bored in commerce and they're really enjoying it that much, but they're like, yeah, yeah but I, I just, I just can't see myself doing, you know, yeah, it's a tough a one. Salary. It's a tough one, but I think yeah, money doesn't always buy you happiness, and you the sooner you work that out, the better. Hmm. Yeah. So you came in, someone decided to you know have you back, and then six months later you became a partner. Yeah, which looking back was probably too quick. I probably didn't understand the business as much as I should have. In saying that, the business of running an accounting firm, or well, I guess a bit of that, which I sort of learned you know as I went, but also. I didn't understand 
you know, I didn't know the team well enough. I didn't know the clients well enough. I didn't know mm. the makeup of who was on cloud accounting and who was still being, you know, old school bank statements coded. I just went yep. off what I was told. And a lot of that wasn't true. Um, but in saying <laughs> yeah. but in saying that, I never look back and go, oh, I shouldn't have done that. I always take the learnings out of it. Yeah. So what what were the biggest challenges? Like call you became a partner. I don't know whether it was equity straight away or a little bit down the track, but So there was equity straight away, which was a big thing. You know, I sat down with my husband, I said, Look, this is gonna be a big investment. It means we can't um, you know, move house for a while because we're going to need some of the equity in our house to be able to um, you know, buy in. Uh, so you're gonna have to wear the same running shoes for the next five <laughs> years, by the way. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. But he saw how much I lit up when I was talking about it. I was excited again about work. And so yeah, we made the decision. And you didn't expect that, right? Like you didn't go no. into that firm knowing that you'll be a partner. Yeah. Okay. What what made them choose you? Because obviously I mean, how big was the firm when you joined? There was only um I think we had about eight seven or eight employees. Actually, no, maybe six. Mm -hmm. I can't remember exactly. But it was just like there was uh, two other partners at the time. Um, and it was probably a very partner-heavy firm. So when I was a partner there, we were still, like I would still be processing and doing some of the work. Okay, so very old school yeah, style. Yeah, very old yeah. school style. Um, but I didn't know much better. I'd only worked for one other accounting firm when I was more junior. So I didn't really know, you know, what, the typical firm looked like at that stage. I just saw the, you know, I was 28. I saw the partner's salary. I saw, you know, being able to learn how to run a business and mm. be mentored at the same time. Yeah, I mean, it's an amazing opportunity. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, take me back to what was the conversation like? You know, so you're there in your, in, in you know, you didn't table with your husband going, by the way, you know, just yeah. got offered a partnership. Um, going to have to get a lawyer for a couple of hundred grand. Yeah. How did that go? Yeah. Look, my husband's very good. He's very supportive. He always has been. And I think he was like, look, you know, if you've, you've run the numbers and, you know, you think it's going to be, you know, a good investment and this is really what you want to do, I'll support you 100%. Hmm. Was that a good investment? Oh, look, yes and no. So if I look at it as an isolated um, thing and where I was when I left, Probably yep. not. But if I look at it as I wouldn't have been able to start two sides and have the growth that I've had mm. because I took some clients with me, then yes. Because I, okay. I would have had to start from pure scratch. Why was it not a good investment on its own? Because usually, like, traditionally, if it's a decent accounting firm, most have decent numbers, not great numbers, but at least yeah. decent numbers. Yeah. If you take out a loan and you, you know, have a salary plus the the profits at the end as long as it's a you know what 20 20 30 profit margin uh, hopefully more but you know just say 25 30 yeah. percent it should still be a decent investment no look it was good for the first couple of years uh we had really good return we were growing but very slowly we had a really mm. good loyal base you know it was a 30-year firm but then probably in the last 12 months that i was there things were very stagnant. We were starting to, you know, in, in those firms where they have been around for 30 years, you start to see the drop-off, you know, people passing away, people retiring, pe retiring, mm. people selling. And if you don't replace those clients with new ones, it's going to go downhill very fast. So from what I bought in at, from what I sold that I actually lost 
some money when you look at how much because I, the goodwill yeah. was reduced. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. It's true. Uh, a lot of baby kind of boomer firms have the same issue now. Yeah. Because they haven't invested in marketing at all. Yeah. Correct. And then they're like, well, what, what do we do now? Where do we get the clients from? Whereas we know it's a very slow burn, and it's a number mm. of things. And so. I knew that if I started on my own, I had all these ideas of what I wanted to do that I could, you know, make that investment back. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So after five years or so, you decided to part ways. Yeah. Okay. What was the like crunch for you? What was the thing that kind of got you over the line? Yeah. Look, so... I had some personal things happening in the background. And I think in that time too, my husband had just left his corporate job. Um, and started doing personal training and he was loving life and I was yeah. hating life feeling like I was a 40 percent owner I had all this debt but I was still treated like the junior partner a bit like an employee didn't really have much input as to what was happening uh, we started doing some business coaching and I guess I felt like we were paying the business coaches to say all the things that I'd already been saying for the last year and a half and then we were sort of butting heads a little bit in some of those coaching sessions because I wanted to go one way and they wanted to go the other way. Uh, mm. And then also it was more of a group coaching. So I got to meet some of the other firms and see what they were doing, which really sort of opened my eyes and went, hang on, we're living in a, you know, in a cave. In dark ages. Yeah, 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 we need to progress. And so I was trying to progress and it just we just weren't on the same page. And I remember we'd been away for the weekend on a coaching weekend and over the weekend, I was thinking, we're just not on the right page here. And I went in Monday morning and they were going on about how great the weekend was and how we're all on the same page. And I was like, and I'd already sort of started thinking about it, but I hadn't actually fully made that decision until that morning. And then I was like, no, nah, I've just got to say this now because I think I'd sort of been, as I said, thinking about it, but not ready to pull the trigger. And then I just pulled it and... So it was a spur of the moment kind of thing. As I said, yes and no. Like I was thinking it was yeah. probably going to happen in the next couple of months. Yeah. But because you wanted to see how things might go. Yeah. And yeah. Develop, but because you, you're doing the coaching, coaching should you know get yeah. you there. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I just had had enough, and yeah, they were very shocked. Um, and they're like, "Are you sure?" Did you make and it I'm dramatic? Like... Did you like you know what? <laughs> I quit. You know, here's my letter. And <laughs> no. Slam the door. No, no. Look, I wanted to make it very amicable. I wanted to, you know, I said to them, I don't want to take a lot of clients. I just want a small parcel of clients. You know, I want to go my separate ways. We'll work it all amicably. Um, obviously, that didn't happen. It never does. Um, <laughs> Why is that? Yeah. Look, I don't know. I think it's a bit like a marriage breakup. You know, you want to mm. trust the other person, but you don't really know what they're capable of. And so, you know, they were probably thinking that I was going to go out and call the clients so they wanted to get in first and I didn't know you know what I mean so it's yeah I don't trust know. Factor. yeah yeah okay. so those couple so, of months were not fun how did they react like like take us to that conversation oh I vaguely remember one of them saying to me oh I don't know I, I, I can I can see you in the boardroom they're saying yeah. we had a great weekend we've got all these great ideas <laughs> and then there's you holding your head in your hands I'm like yeah uh, I just what was happened? like, I don't think so. We're on totally different pages. I'm like, I've been thinking for a while that I think it's time for me to go out on my own. Yeah. And yeah, they were not expecting it at all. Do they just go silent? Do they like? God, I can't even. I think I've wiped it from my mind. It's a bit like PTSD. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's been what four years now. Yeah. So yeah, I can't. Do you ever really... still talk to them? 
No, it didn't end no. very well. I bumped into them at a zero con or not a zero con, some seminar or something a couple yeah. of years back and, you know, we were amicable. But they um, sold your, well, you sold your share to negotiated the parcel of fees that you took with you, which I think you yeah. said was only, what, 60K yeah. or something? it wasn't a lot. So in, in, I guess in my mind, I was like, well, I'm going to leave and the fees I'm going to take with me are way less than my partner's salary, so you should be happy. Yeah. But they weren't, I guess they realised a lot of the things that I did in the background because I did a lot of the practice management type of mm. stuff. So I think they, and the social media and all that. So I think they realised all the things that I was doing and, yeah. Okay. And yeah. the fees, like, what made you choose that particular parcel or how did you decide on the size, like, you know, 60 grand? Was it like, oh, yeah, it's enough for me to live in the Shire? No. Pay the bills. <laughs> no, look, I went from my client list and I and they were like the big, the, it wasn't a lot of clients. It was maybe, maybe 10, 15. Yeah. So bigger group clients and I knew they would refer. And I think in my okay. mind, you know, I knew I had a bit of money in the bank and we could go for a certain period of time um, and then... You know, I said to my husband once again, you know, like, what do you think? Like, before I did it, I spoke to him about it and I said, look, you know, what do you think? And once again, same thing, you know, if you're happy, what's the worst that can happen? Give it six months. If then we run out of money, go get a job. And that's, you know, accountants can get jobs pretty easily. So mm. I knew that worst case scenario, I just go get a job. As long as they have a great recruiter, it's never yeah. a problem. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So... Yeah. What, what was going through your mind? Was it like, you know what, I'm just going to give it a go? Or was it like, was there, did you have a big strategy and vision for what you wanted to do? I think I, I did have a, a strategy and a vision and I'd already sort of started working on the website. Um, and I think, you know, once you start thinking about the name and working on the website and all mm. that sort of stuff, you're going to hit the button, at, you know, at any stage. Um, so, yeah, I did have a plan. I had, you know, my 90, thanks to my coaching, I had my 90-day plan my one-year, three-year, five-year plan, my strategy, all of that ready to go. And what did, that, did you have the T-shirt, the two sides? No, um, we didn't have the T-shirts, no. Okay. <laughs> didn't have those ready to um, go, yeah. How did reality stack up with the plan? Better than I, you know, better than I could have expected. Um, you know, I was, you know, yes, you want to back yourself and be positive, but at mm. the same time I was you know, crapping myself thinking, what have I, like, what have I done? Like, <laughs> you know, one of my best friends says to me just after that happened, we were sitting at a business chicks, um, yeah, yeah, I know, yeah, one I of know. those yeah, big day yeah. things. And I met, she says, I'll never forget. And she says this to me every year when we celebrate two sides birthday and she's another accountant as well. So she gets it. And she says, remember that day we were sitting there and you were saying to me, what have I done? I don't know what I've done. I'm crazy. You know, like now look at you, you know, you're doing so well. So, um, so yeah, I think we hit some of our three year goals, you know, within the first year, which was, wow, yeah, you know, amazing. Yeah. Okay. Um, what were your three year goals? So I wrote some of them down so I wouldn't forget if we were talking about them. So a couple of them was, <laughs> you know, first employee, I thought, well, it's going to take me a couple of years to you know, get to hire my first employee. Um, I hired an intern who just helped me with bits and pieces and admin probably within three months. But my first actual employee came about um, probably about six months after that, I think. Um, mm -hmm. And then we moved into a co-working space, so out of the home office. Um, and I guess the turnover as well. So, you know, in the by the end of year one, um, we're almost up by 300%. 
So okay. in the first yeah couple of years, we really had some some really good growth. How did you get that much growth? So you went from when when you say three hundred percent, we're talking about times four. Yeah. Um. So sixty to two forty. If yep. my maths is yep. right. about that. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um. Which probably would have taken you to similar numbers that you were on before as a partner. Mm. I would imagine. Yeah. Um. And yeah, as you said, like you have to bank yourself right because you're walking away from a decent income to yep. like 60 grand you yep. know and that's what i've got and yep. that's assuming clients actually stick around yeah um do the clients well actually how did the clients react when you told them by the so, way you know yeah look most of the clients were really supportive um yep. a couple of the bigger ones just said look you've just got to make us a promise that you're going to be looking you're always going to be there because i think what had happened was when the other partner brought me in to look after them he just left them with me and off he off he went there wasn't really or well, they didn't feel there was, you know, as much of a handover as should have been. And, you know, they've had amazing service from day one. You know, they've always had my mobile number. They, mm. you know, you know, I've gone above and beyond for them because they supported me, you know, at my time of need. Um, and I think that's It's double-edged all... sword, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Because then you're kind of like, how do you leverage your business? Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. Um, what was our other? What were we just talking about? I've forgotten. Oh, I just oh, where did the clients come from? Yeah. So I had been doing a lot of networking and a lot of, you know, all that stuff prior to me leaving. But I felt like the problem was, was that A, we didn't do fixed fee, which made mm. it very hard to quote for clients because clients would say, well, how much does the work cost? And I would say, well, I don't know. It's going to be hourly rate. And the clients didn't like that. Um, whereas my vision was package, fixed fee, monthly yep. fees um so that was one issue but i think also because i'd already started all the networking and everything people already knew who i was so mm. when i finally went i'm going out on my own everybody wants to support you you know they want to support yeah, the yeah. underdog um when you're in a firm with other people they think oh you're all good you're established you don't need our business mm. you know, whatever whereas when you're out on your own people know that you really want to grow and you know you need the money and so they support you and they just come out of the woodwork um and also conversations with the clients that came across to refer to say look you know i want to grow this thing refer me who do you know and all that sort of stuff okay were most of your clients from referrals or were they from the networking that you did bit of both um and also probably social media so that's always been something that you know i've been very big on and I think also packaging the services. So mm. what we did in coaching, what, what I learned in subsequent coaching was how to sell, which I think a lot of accountants, when you say selling, they go, oh, no, no good at that. Mm. And look, I was never very good at it before. And I thought it was me. But then I realized that it wasn't actually me. It was what I was selling. I didn't believe in what I was selling. Whereas now, you know, two sides is me. It's what I want to want to do. Mm. This is our packages this is what we think you need and if you want to work with us this is what you this is what you need otherwise you know you you go somewhere else it's like you don't go in to get your car serviced and say to the guy oh oh, my car serviced and i i need my carburetor change you don't know until they know they're the ones who tell you that so we're similar we've got to say this is what you need and i think a lot of clients are too sorry accountants are afraid to do that we tend mm. to just go, oh, no, that client doesn't want tax planning. They can't afford it. Well, that's not for us to make the decision. That's for them to make the decision. 
Yeah, your job is to offer. It's yeah. good enough to say yes or no. That's what I always say. Yeah. yeah. Did, so, so going back to like when you were a partner before, did you have much success in terms of the business development side, or was it kind of just like, oh, if someone referred someone? That was yeah, it. like I probably, I probably only brought in a couple of, um, mm-hmm. and I think that was, as I said, it was part because I didn't believe in what I was selling. You know, like I, I would go out to a client and I'd be like, okay. Yeah, show me your books, and I and sort of there wasn't yeah. there wasn't actually a process. So it wasn't like you were a rainmaker that went out on their own and then no. managed to grow by three hundred percent. Like you had to learn the skills yeah. from scratch. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You said like the one of the biggest contribute contributors was like the the coaching you did that taught you like sales and sort of a different mindset. What was what 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 was the biggest thing that you took away from that that helped you in terms of strategies or? Look, I think in the original coaching that I was doing with the other firm was more um, around valuing what you do, packaging, Mm -hmm. you know, having a price list, like having some sort of, you know, document that helps you to then go, this is what the clients need. Whereas, Mm -hmm. yeah, we were just going into meetings and going, well, you know, tell us what you need and we'll work out a price. But the clients Mm -hmm. don't really know what they need. So I felt like those meetings just weren't really working. Yeah, and something obviously you know, had to change, and I guess that in the coaching they make you look at your accounting from like a factory. You know, what are we producing? How much does it cost? All those types yep. of things that we don't you know usually do in an accounting firm. Okay, what coaching were you doing by the way? Because you you brought it up a few times. Yeah, so we did slipstream coaching. This was a two sides or is it back? At Sorry, the, that was back previous... at, uh, at BML yep. Partners. Yeah. And then when I uh, went and started two sides, I did some coaching with the entourage. Uh, and okay. What, yeah. Um, and what they do is they do, well, they used to do, I don't know if they're still doing it now, but basically I would go into the city once a month, two days, and go through different topics. So one month might be sales, one month might be marketing, and then you have mm-hmm. like a one-on-one, you know, with your coach. Um, and then I did a lot of, you know, um, other sales courses that came from the entourage and I felt like that really you know revolutionized I think at one stage um and my practice manager will laugh at this at one stage I was selling too well and I said I need to pare it back a bit because I was selling so good but then the clients were then two months in going oh actually this is a bit expensive um I sort of signed up to it because I felt like you know what I mean they felt like they had they got all excited and they wanted to buy but then they weren't happy so now I've pared yeah. that back a bit and spending a lot more time making sure that it is for them, that it fits in their budget and all of that rather than just the selling, mm. which is interesting because that's something I never thought would come out of my mouth ever. <laughs> so what did that look like? Is it like scripts that you used or process? Like yeah, what? so a full process um, and scripts, I guess. So we had, uh, you know, a process of, you know, when a lead comes in, how does it come in? Is it phone call? Is it mm-hmm. email? Is it website? Then how do we yeah. respond? Uh, mm-hmm. And then whether we have um, a follow-up meeting and then obviously we use Practignition for our engagements. So basically we have everything set out, how much it's going to cost and usually monthly fixed fee. Um, and then we go through that with the client and then if they if they are okay to proceed, we would try to get them to sign up on the spot because, you know, that's what the salespeople tell you. You want to get them signed up when they're happy and excited and whatever. Um, Time kills deals. Yeah. 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 So now I don't really do that. Now I go through it with them and go, I'll leave it with you. Have a look through it. Come back to me. 
and and mm. most of them still sign up. But I guess it's just adjusting the training for the specific industry because Slipstream was purely accounting and financial planners, yeah. whereas Entourage is more general. Anyone and yeah. everyone, yeah, small business. Yeah. So just trying yeah. to adapt it. Hmm. Okay. So you actually found it really useful, the Entourage. I did, yeah. Okay. Funny, my husband would um, call it Jedi mind tricks because I was telling him about all the sales stuff I was learning. And it's funny because now he's got a business coach and he's doing those sales calls and he's telling me about them and I'm saying to him, oh, you got the Jedi mind tricks right now. <laughs> <laughs> What's the most effective one that you've used or the one that like really works or kind of revolutionized things for you? Look, I think probably trying to sign them up on the spot is you know, going can. through it and going, how does that sound? You know, is that all... Um, I guess also just before that is obviously solving a problem. So they come to you with us, they fill in a fact find on our website. And one of the questions yep. is what keeps you up at night? So when they fill that in, we know exactly what their pain point is. So that's what we start with. So you're, yep. you, you're being kept up at night because your, you know, your cash flow is not good. So we start with, mm. we can help you with that by doing a cash flow. How much does yep. it cost? Is how much it costs? Is the process? How does that sound? Yep. Great. So I think linking that problem with the resolution and then how much does it cost? What's the next step? Let's sign it up now. So just yep. that urgency of keeping it going really works well. Okay. And what does your lead funnel look like or did look like when you started? So when we started, I guess it was a bit haphazard. It was sort of, you know, if someone refers, they'd send me an email um, mm -hmm. and then I might call them back or email them back, probably go for a coffee, have a chat work yep. out what they need, then come back with a quote. Um, and it was, mm -hmm. you're not very proceduralized. Several weeks later. Yeah, yeah, whereas now it's proceduralized. So most of the time now my practice manager actually does all of that, so I don't have to do it. Um, and sometimes, you know, there'll be, she'll sign up a couple of clients and I don't even, I'm like, who are these people? And she's <laughs> like, oh. So I'm, I feel like I'm finally building a business that can, you know, parts of it can run without me, which is fantastic. Because I yep. thought the sales piece would always have to, you know, be something that I had to do. Mm. Okay. So is like are most of your clients, the social media stuff that you do is still referrals or? Um, probably still a bit of both. Um, we picked up our first TikTok client the other day. <laughs> yeah, you told me you yeah. caught yourself the TikTok account. And... Yes, yes. Um, that was a bit of a funny story. Um, how much time we got? <laughs> um, I started, I sort of started TikTok you know, when COVID hit last year as a way to, you know, I guess have a bit of a laugh, you don't laugh, you'll cry, I guess. And just doing silly videos and stuff and didn't really. But accounting based, not dancing ones. Oh, some of them were dancing to start with. Some of them were yeah, they're not very good. Please no one go onto my TikTok and scroll down to the bottom. You'll find some um, not so good dance moves. But yeah, then. What, what were you dancing to, by the way? Which songs? Oh, I can't remember. Whatever was trending at the time on TikTok. <laughs> yeah. I think some of them I actually shared in our um, one of the accountants' Facebook groups. So just letting them all have a laugh. I did one video I think was yeah, JobKeeper and I had it in the yep. background. It was, you know, this is the song that doesn't end and, it, and I'm dancing around in front of the JobKeeper <laughs> thing. Um, so that was a funny one. You got um, a solid following. Well, so one of my – when I then so, sort of this year started, you know, taking it a bit more seriously and doing some more accounting and tax videos – I did one yeah. video about um, how the tax rates work and tax on your second job. And that got almost 400,000 views. Yeah. Mm. Crazy. 
crazy. And I think now I've got about 12,000 followers on on there and, and Instagram, which is, yeah, blows my okay. mind. So this TikTok person, they just like called you out of the blue, emailed you and go, look, I saw the dancing. You know, I was I was really impressed. <laughs> I like him. <laughs> I mean, the tax video wasn't too yeah. bad. but the da- <laughs> Well, I've got a link in my bio on my TikTok and it's got a couple of things like, you know, listen to my podcast, work with me, um, a couple of other things. So the work with me one then goes to our website, which is the fact find. So they fill in yeah. the fact find. And then one of the questions we always say is, where did you where did you find us um, and mm. TikTok? And look, we did have the disclaimer is we did get quite a few time waster, you know, funny people from TikTok. And at one stage, my practice manager was like, can you stop with the TikTok? Like we were getting like a couple every single day. And yeah, they were very interesting people, let's just say. Okay. Yeah, you never know. They might open a business tomorrow. Um, when did you get a practice manager? Because like, uh, not everyone has a practice manager. With I think what you have six staff yeah. at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Plus the practice manager. No, that's including the practice manager. Including yeah. 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 I got very lucky. So she was my first official employee, and originally mm. she came on as client services uh, coordinator. So she's an accountant or no, admin so based? Okay. Admin, yeah. So she was a PA at an accounting firm for about seven years. So mm-hmm. she knows the ins and outs of, you know, the portal and ASIC and all those types yeah. of things. Uh, and her husband also runs a business and she does his bookkeeping and bats. So she's got a little bit mm. of knowledge, which is great. Um, so then as we sort of grew, um, and she also did sorry, quite a bit of HR when she was PA as well. Um, so she's basically taken over the HR function. She takes the incoming calls. We do have another office junior who works a couple of days a week. And when she's here, she takes the calls, but primarily it's our practice manager. And so she's really able to, I guess, help the clients with little bits and pieces without having to interrupt the team all the time, which is fantastic. And then, you know, she's really my second hand you know she helps with yeah, so um, all around flow and yeah so i've been very blessed megan if you're listening yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> are all the calls they've added to her phone now uh we've got uh voip phones so the team's got their voip phones at home they just had to pick them up and take them home okay yeah. and reception what is that yeah so she, so basically she, she picks would. up the incoming calls yep yeah okay understand yeah um okay cool so practice manager was your first well was that planned kind of like you've decided i need an admin person to help me first before i need an accountant oh so sorry i did have sorry before her i did have a philippines um accountant i forgot about him oops okay so you went the outsourcing yeah kind of way obviously new business wanted to save money yeah and you know it's usually advertised as a way to scale etc etc yeah uh, actually, well, let's talk about it. You know, tell me about your your journey into outsourcing. So, yeah, the first the first um, guy that we had from the Philippines was through Hammerjack, and mm. they're similar to the outsourced accountant, but they were quite new at that time. Um, and so, yeah, we made our first hire through there, and it worked really well because working from home still at that stage, so I didn't have an office yet either. Yeah. Um, and I guess just yeah, having someone to be able to do all the work while I brought got the clients in because I didn't have, you know, time to be doing everything. Um, the first six months were obviously very difficult having to actually do everything from bookkeeping to Baz to, you mm. know, end of year stuff and grow the business at the same time. I look back now and I go, I don't know how I did it. I was going to say, like, well, were you working like seven days a week or? 
Oh, I think at one stage I was. I think a Facebook memory popped up the other day and I was at the gym with my laptop and there was a photo and I was sitting there on a Saturday morning. But I loved it. Like it was, that was like. Yeah, it's exciting, yeah. right? There's a lot of energy, yeah. So I, I mean, eventually you kind of burn out, but like yeah. it's exciting in the beginning. It is exciting in the beginning. Um, yeah, so he came along and he was great. Um, but then I think we found that we were probably overloading him with work. And so mm -hmm. then his performance dropped. And then we tried to performance manage. But I think one of the problems we found with going through an outsourcing provider is that when you want to performance manage, you can't do it the way you want to do it. You have to do it the way they want you to do it. So the problem is, is that they bring the employee in first and have a chat and then you do. So I think we felt like the balance of power was not really working and that the employee sort of felt like he could get away with certain things, if that makes sense. Um, is that the way it's still, or is that, is that the official thing? Like you couldn't just, you know, because obviously you would talk to them regularly as well, right? Yep. You couldn't just go, hey, by the way, this is, you know, we need to have a chat about this. Yeah, you've got to be very, very careful. And we went through the outsource accountant later on. And it was a similar, similar process. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, so I think he was with us for almost a year. Um, and then, yeah, he decided that we he didn't want to work for us anymore. So he left. And then we hired someone locally. Um, okay. And then we had some issues with someone that we hired locally and, you know, at the intermediate level. And I think we sort of thought, oh, well, paying double for an intermediate. Mm. We're getting the same as what we got when we were in the Philippines. So why don't we go back? <laughs> and then what we was went, the issue with the intermediate? Oh, look, I think she had some personal things going on. She moved to Sydney from Queensland. She didn't have any other friends. She was living with a boyfriend. And then I think there were some personal things going on, but just, you know, it was like one day she turned up to the office all dishevelled, just wasn't into it, and just the wheels mm. fell off very quickly. You know, we tried to work with her, but I think she had some personal things she had to, you know, yeah, sort okay. of deal with. Yeah. Um, she went back to the Philippines. Go, yep. Let's yeah, so then we went back to the Philippines. I think we had hired another one or two, and then we thought, okay, we need some more capacity, but we don't have the client. So let's go back to the Philippines. We got two this time through the outsourced accountant because we were very impressed with their, we felt like they had more policies and procedures. Um, whereas yeah, Jack nice knew and they didn't, yeah, they didn't have as much structure. So we hired two at once, which I would recommend never to do. Um, I thought two at once was good. We could train them both together. That would be my thinking as well. But yeah. it really doesn't work that way because they need different, One if one of them needs help, you then got a lot. So then you've basically got to train two at the same time. And that was really difficult because I was training them. But the team was Couldn't helping. Can ask but, each other questions? Well, yeah, you would you would think that. But, yeah, just it just didn't work out. Um, yeah, one guy w was working for one or two days, I think, and then just disappeared, didn't come back. So oh, yeah, that he was... did the typical Filipino AWOL thing. Yeah, they're like, Had he's gone AWOL. happened a few times. We were like, is this a thing? And they're like, yeah, it happens all the it time. Is, it oh, is great. a thing. Thanks. Because like my admin team is based there. So I was like, oh man, the amount of like AWOLing I had to deal with. I'm like, how is this normal in your culture? <laughs> I don't, like I think when they explained it, like he'd moved from some remote island. He was away from his family. Um, you know, like when you think about it like that, it sort of makes sense. But yeah, so that was terrible experience. Then we, I think we overloaded the other one because we only had one left. Um, and then we had a performance manage her. We had a similar issue once again that we weren't in the control um, power seat 
And obviously so we had take to take it seriously. Yeah. And then also there's obviously certain rules. You've got to give three months notice in the Philippines, um, mm. you know, which we knew was in the contract, but it's very difficult when you have to give someone not performing. Yeah. It's very difficult. Um, mm. So then we performance managed her out. We got another one in. She was actually fantastic. And then COVID hit. Mm. And we just made the decision, sadly, that we didn't feel comfortable with someone working from home. So, you know, we we, we got Toa to get her redeployed in another um, business. And because they did that within the th- like within those three months, that was okay and she was looked after. And I still should keep in touch with her and just see how she is because, yeah, she was going great. Um so I don't, I don't know. Was she doing just the compliance or bookkeeping? For you? She was so more, yeah, more senior. So she was doing more compliance type stuff. And okay. I think that worked a lot better than, say, the bookkeeping piece. We found with the bookkeeping, it was a bit hard because they don't know what BP is or what Bunnings is. So they, you know, mm. they can't code things as easy as probably, you know, an Australian junior, junior could. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Um, in terms of the work from home, What's different between them working from home and your guys working from home? Look, I think, and this was something that I had discussions with, you know, with a number of other accountants. Um, And I think if we had a team, it might have been different. But because we had one, we sort of felt like it was a bit easier to make that decision. But for me, it was, you know, the Philippines is a third world country. We don't know their situation. You know, like, like the other guy was saying, living away from his family. You don't know what their financial situation is, you know. I don't know, maybe I'm being a bit too judgy. Um, but yeah, I just didn't feel comfortable with someone that I didn't really understand their culture and their values and all of that. Yeah. Having that information at home in a nutshell, I guess. Is there anything that is actually like could they actually action anything? Because it's not like they have the bank access login details of clients or anything like that. Well, they couldn't, but I guess tax file numbers and things like that. As well, okay. you know, identity, identity was in theft. my mind, yeah, yeah and I, okay. I just wouldn't feel comfortable, you know. Yeah, okay, yeah. makes sense. Um, so you had the experience, and you decided. Are you sticking to in-house now? Are you look? Are you done with the outsource journey? I think we are. My practice manager told me she would leave if we went back to the Philippines because, <laughs> it, yeah, it, it, I guess it was hard as well because they have a lot more public holidays and their different days. And then we, yeah. we closed down for Christmas. So when we're closed, we had to then find work for them. And then when I'm on holiday, I've got a – and the time difference, mm. there's a whole lot of things. Look, maybe in the future, once we're back into a growth phase and we need that capacity, but I feel like at the moment my priority is building the core team. Well, the yep. next hire I make will be a senior manager. And once we have that role, I feel like we've really got the engine room humming. Yep. Um, so maybe we would look at it you know, for some extra – Are you still hands-on? these days a little bit so i get involved in some of the larger um you know client groups mm-hmm. but i don't do you know the actual processing so i'll just okay. i'll just help in bits and pieces and obviously i have to review everything at the moment so once i get that manager that'll be their job yeah, yeah. so i think in what well, in some ways like you're quite fortunate when you've started out that as a partner you were still doing processing as well yeah, if I uh, like because yeah. most partners haven't touched a tax return in like yeah. years. So yeah. for them to go out on their own would be a struggle. Yeah. And it's funny because I remember back when I was still hands on and the, the founding partner was not. And so 
you know, he wouldn't, he'd say, oh, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to do that. And I'd be like, he doesn't even know how to do a tax return. And now I'm in that boat. I'm like saying to the junior, oh, get the other, get someone else to help you because I don't know what, like, I know sort of <laughs> where to put it. But, you know, if you get an error, I don't know where to look for it. You know? Yeah. How do you deal with that? Especially now, like you're training someone and then like they look up to you and like you meant to have all the answers. Oh, look, I just say, I don't, I don't do a lot of this processing anymore. I do more of the high level stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm very proud of what I what I don't know anymore. I don't, you know, <laughs> my ego's fine. <laughs> um, and did they, how do they take it? Were they like, okay, cool, I get it? <laughs> yeah, they're, they're pretty good. Like I always just tell them to ask one of the other team members that I know can do it. Yeah. What have, you, what have your learnings been like with the whole hiring piece? Oh, I think scratch. I think the learnings about hiring people is like every person is different. Mm. So don't ever think that you know, I guess unless you're a professional like yourself, like I don't have the professional background of the recruitment. I only know what I've learned, what I've read. Um, I always, you know, chop and change and, you know, listen to podcasts like your uh, previous one and get some tips on, you know, interview questions and techniques and things. And then managing the team as well. I think it's, you know, it's all a learning process because we're all different. You know, what works for one mm. person is not going to work for somebody else. Yeah. Have you refined anything or changed your processes in any way? I think... Like in terms of how you go about hiring people and managing people? Yeah. I'm like, I think the hiring piece, I'm always changing that and trying to get my interview questions better and trying to ask more specific questions. Um, you know, we had someone that we interviewed for um, an accounting role just recently and her resume said, I do a BAS. And I said mm. to her, okay, walk me through how you do a BAS. And she says, oh, I print the reports out of MYB and I give them to the partner. <laughs> and I said, all right, you're not actually doing a BAS. So now I say to them, walk me through step by step. What? And they look at me and I go, I've got to ask you this question because I've had, you know, so... Yeah, I think I'm getting more detailed in what I need to ask and they just look at me yeah. with this funny face. Um, and then in terms of managing people, I think, as I said, I've learnt that what works for one does not work for the other. Um, mm. I think I started off in my career and I was too too much of a friendly manager, like I wanted to be everybody's friend. Yeah. And then I think Especially I Especially when you're younger, right? You kind you of be part of the crew and, yeah. yeah. Um, and then I think I went a bit too far the other way because I had one of... Um, Ruthless, that's it? Well, one of, one of our team members that left just after COVID, yeah, didn't didn't give me some very good feedback. And so then that made me think, okay, I need to sort of move back into the middle. But it's it's always hard. Like, you know, if you're too nice to someone, they might take advantage, whereas some people might really relate to that. If you're too hard with someone, they might you know, react positively because they want to, you know, they want you to chat. Like it's, it's, yeah, it's hard. It is. It's probably the hardest thing in running a business to people side. Yeah. Mm. If only we could hire robots, hey? <laughs> <laughs> well, AI is coming, don't yeah. worry. No, I've got a pretty good team. I do. I've been very lucky. Speaking of AI, you're big on like zero and cloud and paperless, et cetera. Like that was from day one, basically. Yeah. Um, tell me a little bit more about like how the way you do things compares to you know a traditional firm. So I think when I first started as well, because it was just me, I needed to automate the crap out of everything. 
So we had, mm. you know, practice ignition, which, you know, is basically from, um, you know, the, the quote, which is the engagement as well. They accept that, they pay, it pushes the invoice into zero, marks it as paid, takes the payment. That takes out so much time, whereas, you know, at the old firm, if we did that, you'd send them out a paper, in, like a engagement, might be by email, then they come back and say yes, then you're either invoicing them, collecting the payment, doing all that admin, or if you put them on direct debit, you've got to set all that up and all those processes. So that that we couldn't grow as quick as we do without that process. It would just take too long. We'd need a whole other person. Um, so that was a big part of it. Just for that, you'd need a whole other person. Well, maybe not a whole other person, but we would need, you know, like when I think about the traditional firms, you have someone who does admin you know, Monday to Friday, nine to five. Yeah. So Megan, our practice manager, is only part-time. She does uh, nine to three, Monday to Thursday, although most mm. days she does more than those hours, but that's her standard. Um, whereas, yeah, in most firms, you've got a full-time person who's looking after the mail, the debtors, mm. the billing, all that stuff that we don't have, yeah. that we don't need to do, you know, um, and Calendly. So we send links out to um, for my diary through Calendly, Clients book yep. a call um, for the Zoom call. It's integrated to Zoom, so they get the Zoom link straight away. We don't have to then follow up with that. Mm. Um, we've got a um, as a type form on our website that's where the business clients come through and fill it in as a fact find, I guess, to quantify the leads before we call them. We've also got another type form for our new individual clients. So if a client says, I want an individual tax return, can you give me a quote? We go, sure, here's the link, upload all your information and we will quote on it. Um, we've got Zapier plugged into the background to automate uh, a lot of other bits and pieces. So it'll... Is that how the whole practice ignition zero part works as well? Is that... No, so that's integrated. It doesn't need... That's integrated. Yeah, no. okay, it doesn't cool. need Zapier, but Zapier pulls in the engagements and saves them into our Dropbox, for example. Okay. So we've got a lot of automation that goes on in the background. Did you set it up yourself or did you have to get someone I set to it come all in? Up. Okay, so pretty easy to do. Yeah, yeah. Like I've watched a few, you know, practitioners do quite a few good videos on Zapier and how to, you know, format it all and hook it up and all the rest of it. Yeah. So it wasn't quick and easy, but I figured it out. Did you do your own website as well? I did, yes. Yeah. From scratch? Yeah. And still even now? Well, it's on my list of things to, I think I'm ready to get somebody to, you know, let loose on it and update it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a great website. Well, thank you. I look at it um, now and I go, oh, no, I cringe. I don't like it anymore. But when I no, first I, did it, everyone I, loved it. Yeah, I cringe at mine as well. It was cool <laughs> when I did it by myself. I was like, cool, I can do a website, you know. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, after a while, you're like, yeah, maybe it's a little bit out of date yeah. now. What did you use for yours? Wix. You use Wix yeah. as well. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, cool. it's all like it's pretty easy to drag, drop, all that sort of stuff. Hmm. And social media, what what are your biggest kind of avenues for um, so client I, growth? Yeah, look, I think video is a big thing. I think having people see my face, you know, Instagram stories. Um, I've just changed my personal Instagram to do a lot more like business type posts, not too many because I don't want all my friends to go, oh, I don't want to follow her on Instagram anymore. So I think that works well, like the subtle, you know, um, this is what I'm doing type of thing. And then, you know, friends will reach out to me and go, oh, hey, I've been looking at your stuff for a while. Seems like you know what you're talking about. Can you look at, you know, my zero or 
whatever. Is it weird to have your friends as clients too? Like, is, oh, there, is it an issue ever? Because like, and also... A, yeah, there's been a few disasters. Yeah, because like friends usually don't want you to know, you know, what their financial situation is either. Yeah. Because look, that's another yeah. situation. Look, most of them, like I don't do the day-to-day. So I said, look, I'm not going to, I don't do your bookkeeping. So I'm not, like, I still will review it so I can go in and I can look at things, but I'm not really yeah. going to have a look at all your receipts and seeing what you're spending and, you know, no judgment, <laughs> all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah. But I think they okay. know that obviously they're working with someone they can trust. What yeah. have been some of the disasters? Oh, I don't know if I want to go there. <laughs> okay, okay. Anything yeah. you can share? Um, yeah, no, let's let's not let's not go there because <laughs> some of them are still friends. So, okay, yeah. <laughs> um, I doubt I'll be listening to the podcast. Yeah, probably not. But... County podcast. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you never know. Okay, cool. So for for clients, like when you said social media. Um, was did you get a lot of clients through social media at all? Yeah, we did. Or was it just kind of a you know credibility piece where you met them somehow, they were referred, but then they looked you up and like, okay, cool, she's got a lot of videos, she's got a lot of you know articles, etc. I think a bit of both. Um, like I've had clients reach out and go, oh, we saw you on Instagram, and then we spoke to somebody else, and you're the go-to person. You know, we're mm. hearing a lot of great stuff about you. Um, or some people will be like, oh, I've been following your Instagram for a while. And then they reach how out. They, how do they find your Instagram? How does someone go, hey, I want to, you know, I want to follow that? I don't, maybe I should start asking that question. How did you find me on Instagram? Like, did you come through? Like some people have actually said they found obviously the website via Google. Um, mm. And then obviously they've gone off and then found the Instagram and all the rest of it. Um, I think maybe it's also existing clients and friends of friends because they'll say to me, oh, I've told XYZ to follow your Instagram. Hmm. Okay. And what do you put on your Instagram? What sort of stuff? So I think mainly the main thing on Instagram is the videos. So yeah. I just did a video about... Um, Accounting related stuff. Yeah, like related. I did a quick yeah. two-minute video, how to read a profit and loss. You know, just oh. the basic, really basic In, stuff, you know. That, are you doing like professional style? Like you got you, you, you bought yourself an awesome video camera or you just like holding your phone and doing a selfie? So I've got a like a selfie stand thing but I okay. found like in the like in the early stages I was you know doing it all properly and editing it and uploading it and it just takes too long so then I got yeah. to the point where and then take after take after take so then I think it really started through COVID where I was like care factor out the window I just want to get the messages out there I don't yeah. care how I look this is me if you don't like Did you it, always have your your t-shirt the two signs t-shirt We've had this, the T-shirts for a number of years now, yeah. But you always make sure you've got it on? When you're oh, doing not your, all uh... the time. Um, my signature of late's become my pink. I've got a pink um, jacket that I've been wearing yeah. quite a bit on my TikTok, and that's, I think, my signature thing now. So I try to put that on all the time. And my husband jokes when I've got the pink jacket on, he knows I'm filming a TikTok or a Instagram. Okay. Yeah. And, yeah, it's a... sorry, and probably the stories, so the Instagram stories. So I share a lot of, you know, like through COVID this year, I've shared a lot of the updates to, um, you know, all the things that are happening through Service New South Wales and, you know, where to go. And Why do you do it? Look, I don't really have Instagram or use it, but like is, I thought stories was like a, a transient 24-hour yeah, thing. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So if someone misses it, then is that a good idea? Or if it would be like, you know, you want them to 
be aware of it? Or do you save it and then put it up as a post? Yeah, so you then can have these highlights at the bottom of your, um, just under your profile where you can save the highlights. So then you can group them all together. Yeah. And it doesn't doesn't, um, mess up your feed. Hmm. (laughs) How many followers have you got now? I think on Instagram, I've got, yeah, about the same as TikTok now, almost 12,000 followers. Okay. Mm. Are you a, is it, does that make you an, an account influencer yet? Or like, no. is there a, a threshold? I think it's a micro-influencer. Micro-influencer. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay, cool. And you, you say people actually, that's your biggest platform then, Instagram? Uh, yeah. I think oh, like okay. before it used to be Facebook. Uh, through Facebook groups and obviously the business page. But I found yeah. a lot more engagements coming from my personal page because I guess they're following me and seeing what I've got to, I guess, post rather than just the, you know, a boring accountant's Instagram page. Is it a female-centric kind of thing? Not really. I think the pink jacket right. might give it a bit of a female vibe, but no. Okay. So Because, like, I don't use Instagram, for example. Mm. I, don't, I don't really get it, but... I know, obviously, a lot of people do. I know my my wife is always on it. Yeah. Um, every every time I used to sit on the bus, you know, you would see most girls are on it, like mm-hmm. flipping through stuff. So I was like, I was curious whether that ref- is reflected in your clientele as well. Oh, look, I think we've picked up a lot of like during COVID, we picked up um, a lot of e-commerce clients mm-hmm. from Instagram because that's where they are, that's where they live, um, yep. and they've been quite good clients. Mm-hmm. Because it just depends, yeah. you know, like we. We're not finding the bigger type of clients on there, but we're finding yep. a lot of the smaller micro clients, which we love to work with. Yeah, okay. Are you still on Carbon as well? Yes. Yep. We use Carbon okay. for our practice management. Cool. So Carbon, Zero, and then a whole bunch of stuff that helps you around that yep. just to make it. Anything else that's like, so practice technician sounds like that was a, a game changer. Yeah, Is practice anything else that was a game changer? Um, we use CAS 360 which is yep. amazing for ASIC compliance. It gives us visibility over the ASIC uh, debts when, mm-hmm. they're, when they're due. That was a big thing um, because, you know, you send out the ASIC invoice and it's not due for, I think, two or three months and everyone forgets about it. So at least Yeah, but then you see, get the penalty. Yeah, and, you know, ASIC won't give you a remission even if I think I saw something in a Facebook accounting group the other day and someone was dead or had died and ASIC had said, well, we need a, a signed stat deck from the deceased. And someone had posted it and gone, <laughs> what the hell? Yep. <laughs> so that's, that's what I'll be telling clients these days. They won't even let you off if you're dead. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Like, was that is that serious? I think it was serious. I think it was like an automated response. So I think somebody okay. was like, just ring ASIC and explain <laughs> the situation. And yeah. that, that would be an amazing meme. And that's automation um, gone mad, right? <laughs> and were you always on carbon, by the way? No, so, so oh, from day, oh, probably not day one, maybe like the second month. I think when I first started, I was doing it on spreadsheet. And then mm. when I got my first employee in the Philippines, I thought, well, how am I going to manage this, be able to see the emails that are going out and obviously um, proceduralize everything we do. And so Carbon was an absolute game changer. I recommend it to anybody who's There's got... nothing else near that? Like I don't zero think so. Manager Look, or anything like that? Some other firms might swear by Zero Practice Manager, and obviously it has its pros compared to Carbon. But for me, the visibility, like I can go into a contact and see mm. all the emails that have gone out from the whole firm to the to the one contact in the one place. Okay. Now, Is it a SaaS product as well? So per user? Or... Yes, per user. Yep. So it is yeah. it is quite expensive, 
Um, but in our old firm, I think we were paying $200 per month per user for a MYBAE. Mm. And Carver's not even that expensive. So Yeah, okay. And much better. Yeah. Okay. Because that's the thing with the whole tech stack thing is like, you know, I look at your website and other people's like, there's usually a million different products. When yeah. you're starting out, it's like all adds up. Oh, it does add up. But I think for me, I was like, I'm going to double down on all this stuff and get it right from the beginning because yeah. as we grow, it needs to be right. And I think looking back, if I hadn't have done that, hmm. we wouldn't have been able to grow like we have. Not at all. Do you have um, an intranet? Or like where do you keep all your processes and workflows? And, Dropbox. You know... So we use Dropbox for that. Okay. And it's organized with an index and yeah. in a particular way? Yeah. So okay. it's we've got it. Um, the Dropbox hooks in with zero tax. So when the clients sign yep. their tax returns and bazzers, they're automatically saved in client, it's like, you know, a client um, order. Um, mm. And then we've got you know, our corporate compliance all saved by client, by year, and it's all all sorted. In Dropbox. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And you don't send any paper. It's always everything's emailed or through a system of some sort. Yeah. Yeah, we okay. very rarely use the printer. When we're using the printer, someone's like, what's going on? <laughs> and I've got like I've got an iPad with a pencil, so I've been doing all of the Service New South Wales letters with my iPad, which is great yep. because the printer's out of printer, uh, out of ink, and office works don't have any in stock. So that would have been great. <laughs> when you go to client meetings, all the same sort of thing? IPad, iPad, yeah. And then all the notes get transcribed into Dropbox, yep. Dropbox as well. Okay. Any other cool automations that you've done? That, like any other cool game changers? Um, I guess we've also got Praxignition hooked into Mailchimp. So when a oh, and so when a client accepts their engagement in Praxignition, it automatically adds them into our Mailchimp list, and then it sends them a welcome email. So a lot of the clients mm -hmm. think that's pretty cool because they're like, "Oh wow, someone's sitting there and they've sent me an email straight away." <laughs> I'm like, "Oh, it's automated." Um, and then we've got Slack for our internal chat, which is great when we're yep. working from home. And so then it sends a Slack message and it says, hey, client XYZ has just signed their um, engagement. We've got a new client, celebrate, little GIF. So that's that's pretty cool. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, anything else? And that's probably it. That's enough. Okay. <laughs> no, no, it's a good stack. And for anyone who wants to check it out, you know, go to uh... – Go to Nat's website, which I think is... Twosides.com.au. Twosides.com.au. Yeah. yeah, she's got a whole, like, half half the page. Yeah, dedicated all the apps. To all the yeah. yeah. <laughs> Are you changing or exploring anything else right now? Um, we're just about to change from DocuSign to FuseSign. Um, okay. So that'll be in the next month or two. Or just DocuSign is very expensive. Okay. Yeah. Are you on Gmail or Microsoft? Microsoft. We did okay. look at moving across, but we found that we need Excel. We can't live with just Google Sheets. They're not good enough for work papers and spreadsheets and all that really? kind of stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so what if most of it would be done like inside of, you know, your systems? Well, that's something else. We're, we're looking at zero work papers as well. We're just waiting for them yeah. to make a few tweaks. Um, they're a bit late on that. Zero, hurry up. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's something we wanted to start too. Okay. How do you organize and structure your day? Like, especially now compared to when you first started, which was oh, probably hectic. It's a bit all over the shop. Like I'll have obviously my meetings scheduled. Um, at the moment we're doing a daily huddle with the team. So everyone gets in, prioritizes their day. Then at nine o'clock we hop onto Zoom, have a quick half an hour, 
what's everyone doing today? What are the roadblocks? Does anyone need anybody else to know anything that's happening? Um, mm -hmm. And then I try to probably not have any meetings for maybe an hour after that because I know that the team are going to need me for something during that time. So mornings are always very hectic. And then I try not to have more than two meetings in the day because I know if I have like client meetings, mm -hmm. if I have more than two client meetings in a day, the day just disappears and then I can't get anything done. Um, yeah. But apart from that, yeah, everything else is a bit haphazard depending on, you know, whether the team have stuff that I need to review that needs to go out um, mm. and, you know, obviously what else is going on. Do you Did you do the group huddles before COVID or is it like just a COVID remote working thing? So before we just used to do a weekly meeting and because our office yeah. is open plan, we sort of have a bit of an informal chat every morning. So the huddle, I guess, is more to give everybody a bit of face time and not feel lonely mm. um, and then also a bit of help with prioritizing work at the same time. Yeah, okay. One of the things you mentioned to me was like um, as the biggest or one of the biggest challenges for you was actually dealing with rapid growth. Yeah. Can you explain? Yes. Yeah, so, most people want, you know, yeah, that problem. Yeah. Oh, and it's a great problem to have. Um, but I think the hard thing is, is that we're always changing our processes, for example, because what worked for, I guess, three of us was not then mm. for four and five and six. So we're always changing the process. So, you know, who's sending out the tax returns? Is it admin or is it the employee? Um, mm. What... Um, like, yeah, there's so many so many different facets to it. Um, then looking at, okay, when do we need to hire our next person? Yeah. Um, yeah. How many bookkeeping clients have we got? Can we manage those? How, like, just shuffling around the clients when they come on and trying to, you know, get the, um, the flow of work right. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, there's, and then obviously capacity planning as well, making sure there's enough work for everybody trying not to chase it in too quickly and then you've got too much pressure versus yep. not chasing it in and not having enough work. Yeah. Mm, okay. Well, what's been the biggest one if you had to choose? Like what, what was the most surprising one? I think it wasn't surprising. I knew it was going to be difficult is probably the hiring piece. So working out who to hire mm. next. And that's always been a hard thing. You know, like we had at one stage, we had um, a bookkeeper who just did bookkeeping. Whereas yep. now we've got, a couple of juniors who do bookkeeping and tax and we find that works very well because otherwise we've got one bookkeeper with too many clients and it's too much to handle whereas now we spread that load out a bit more how many accounting firms have a bookkeeping arm as well and they offer it as a service i think it's becoming a lot more mainstream um even some of the big firms i think are starting to really you know double down on the bookkeeping piece but is it like 50 50 or is it like a 10 percent that wow. offer bookkeeping I wouldn't know. I'd probably, if I had to guess, I'd probably say around twenty to thirty percent max. Still, still a minority. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Like, and it's growing, but still a minority. Why is it growing? Well, I think, like for us, for as an example, we found a lot of new clients come to us because they need someone to do their bookkeeping. Hmm. Um, they're frustrated with having the bookkeeper fight with the accountant, and so they want one because they're having to double handle a lot of stuff. You know? What do they fight about? Like, um, well, for, not really, not really fighting. But for example, we had we got a new client last week, and one of her biggest bugbears was, um, she says, "Oh, my bookkeeper does all my zero, and then I have to go in and print out the reports and give to my accountant to do my BAS." I said, "Well, number one, they shouldn't 
you shouldn't be printing out anything. You just invite them into the file. Yeah. Um, but number two, then you've got this disjointed uh, relationship because she said the bookkeeper's doing the day-to-day, then the accountant's trying to advise her but doesn't understand the day-to-day. Mm. So we know everything from the day-to-day right through to the you know more advanced tax planning. We know that Joe Bloggs bought a car last month because we did the bookkeeping and we've caught that early. So yep. we're able to capture a lot of things earlier than we would if we just did the end of year work. Yeah, okay. And, also and it helps stream- with the tax planning. Yeah, and also streamlining. You know, when we've done the bookkeeping, we know the end of year work is going to be a lot cleaner and cheaper for the client. Whereas if we're doing the end of year and someone else has done the bookkeeping, we've mm. got to check it that little bit more than we would, you know, checking our own work. Is there much margin on the bookkeeping part? Oh, the the bookkeeping is very like minimal minimal margin. Because you are you still charge by the hour, or do most places still charge by the hour on that? Some do fixed fee. Um, yeah. We do. Sorry, some yes, yeah, some do fix. Some do hourly rate. Yeah. Most do fixed fee. We do an hourly rate that we work out how many hours we need each month, and then we fix it. Um, because we thought, well, if we do fixed fee. How do we then have that conversation when the hours are going to be more? Like how does mm. that piece sort of work? Um, so yeah, it is. It's not really a loss leader. We're not we're not losing money on it, but we don't make a lot of it. Where we make the money is yeah, the end of year, the tax planning, um, yeah, okay. those other parts. Okay. So you would never get rid of the bookkeeping. That's always going to be an integral part. No, I think that was one of the key things we wanted. I wanted to do from the beginning. Did your previous firm do it? No, no. no. So. Okay. The only bookkeeping we did was, I guess, for some really micro clients where they'd come to us to do the BAS and we'd, book, we'd do the three months of coding. It wasn't really bookkeeping, more than coding it up in BankLink or something like that and doing the BAS, whereas we do all of our bookkeeping either. Um, some do weekly, most do monthly. Yep. We do the monthly bookkeeping. We let the client know this is how much you need to put aside for GST, super, et cetera. So they're planning every month as to what that looks like. And you only take on zero clients, right? Correct, yeah. Yeah, across the board or just for the bookkeeping part? Across the board. Okay. Yeah. Just to keep it simple? Just to keep it simple and also streamline everything. Okay. Yeah. You've also said you're kind of putting the brakes on the growth part? Yeah. So, you know, after burning out a little bit last year and then sort of back to that now, last year we also we also disengaged quite a few clients just because I think Disengage is an interesting way. <laughs> did you did you have to use practice ignition for that or no? We just is, is there a special app for no, disengagement? No, it'd be nice if there was a special app that says goodbye. <laughs> yeah, I think obviously everyone was very emotional last year and we still sort of are, but I think a lot of people um, showed their true colours and we had you know a couple of clients that probably didn't treat us with the respect that they should. And it wasn't really fair to the team. And I think for me, the biggest, you know, one of my you know, biggest things is if they don't spark joy as um, what's that lady, Mary Kondo, whatever her name is, yeah. um, if they don't spark joy, then life's too short. They're out the door. Um, okay. You know, if I'm, you know, if I'm going home and thinking, oh, I'm so, you know, angry at the world after being treated a certain way, I don't want my team to feel that. So, yeah, we um, we got rid of, we cleaned out the dead wood. Um, and I think for now, as I said, my priority is just getting the core team, building our processes again, and then maybe next year re-looking at, you know, really pushing that growth. But for now, 
I'm spending a lot more time, as I said, managing the team and, and all of that. Mm. Um, and also... Never-ending task. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So is there a vision or a strategy at the moment, like uh, an end game? Oh, at the moment, we're just sort of cruising. I think I had... You know, in my mind, I wanted to hit that one mil fees by five years. That was a big thing and we mm. were tracking well. And then obviously COVID and we, you know, got rid of a couple of larger clients and we've, you know, gotten some. So what, what was wrong? Were they just rude, basically? Or? Oh, there was some that were very rude. Um, because they were, why were they rude though? So we had one client, for example, and he wouldn't ever listen to this podcast. That's totally fine. Um, who basically... We lived and breathed JobKeeper. We did emails yeah. out every day. We did Facebook posts. We did everything mm. we could do. Then what happened was he reached out to us later and was like, oh, well, why didn't you tell me about it? And I nearly lost, I won't swear, but I nearly, lost, I nearly lost it. I was like, and this was like a friend of a friend. I said, look, I said, with all due respect, I did that many webinars, that many social posts, that many emails. If you didn't read them, like, yeah, I went through the client list and got yeah. some people, but he, I think he had another job at some stage and he does a bit of freelance. And so... He would have gotten an email from you, multiple emails, right? He would have. Yeah. But, you know, it was his mate down the pub that mentioned JobKeeper. And so then he thought he'd ring his accountant. Yeah. And and then there was a couple of discussions after that, that just clients that are never happy, no matter what you do, you know? Mm. And I think because I was so emotional about everything that I had done during that time, like I worked my butt off. To then be told, oh, I don't, you know, I don't feel like my accountant helped me at my time of need. Like I was just, no, nah, no, I've got no time for that, you know. Mm. So how did you part ways? Like, well, what, what was your approach? So I think it came down to I think we we're doing some tax planning. And by the way, do, do you have a process in Dropbox about you know how to part ways with clients? No, we probably should. Okay. <laughs> I think we actually have a letter that someone had. I think some other accountant had written during COVID. It was a really great letter. We didn't use that though. I think what happened was there was a couple of emails that went back and forth and I just said, look, I just feel like we're not the right fit. You never seem to be happy no matter what we do. I think it might be best if we part ways. Mm. And then I rang him and said, look, I've can't like, you know, a lot of the time I'll do something and then I'll calm down. I'll think about it. And then I rang him. I said, look, no hard feelings, but like this is, and he goes, look, thank you for your email. I'm glad that you were, you know, honest and direct, and I and I agree. I think, yeah, I'm going to go somewhere else, and that was fine. Okay. You know, but there was there was a few of those basically. Yeah, there was a couple. Yeah. Okay. I think and all were, phone, that was your process, email, and and then the phone call. Oh, some of them have just been a phone call. Someone I'm a bit more angry. They just get an email that says you're not happy. I'm not happy. Life's too short. Let's just call it a day and no hard feelings. <laughs> Literally like that. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Did you put a little meme in there or anything? I wish I could. I wish I yeah. could. I think when you grow fast, you're going to have a lot of clients that maybe don't align with your vision and purpose and all those things that maybe you don't see when they come on because you're excited for a new client and you yeah. always you always want the best. You always, you know, expect that what they're saying, like, you know, they want to change and they want to be good with their books and they want to do all this stuff but then they just bitch and moan and they're never going to be happy. So yeah. why do we bother? You know? Yeah, I, mean, I think you listened to, because uh, you, you wrote a post on, that on, um, on LinkedIn about Peter's Knight, Peter yes. Knight's um, podcast that I did. Yeah. And we're talking about like, you know, letting go of clients and like, you know, he, he gets emotional about it because yeah. like 
he looks at a client as you go on a long journey together oh, in yeah. different ways. Yeah. And I was like, oh, wow, interesting. I should ask other accountants how um, how they manage that. Yeah, Whether it's a big deal get, for them or. Yeah, I think we do get a bit emotional, but I think too, I've got to set the standard to the team that it's not like if someone wants to work with us, they've got to treat us with respect. Like they want mm. to be treated. Don't use us as a doormat. It's not fair. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Um, and it's important. Yeah. Because you always have to stand up for your team as a yeah. leader, basically. Yeah. One of one of our team has actually got her own little bookkeeping on the side and she actually said to me the other day, I've actually fired a couple of clients after watching the way that you handle them life too short and you know not worth the stress. You know, which it's not it's not worth the stress. It's not worth the, the grey hairs that popped up over So, over so the... one of your staff has their own little bookkeeping business. Yes. Yep. How do you manage that? Because uh, I, I know some firms kind of take very different approaches oh, look it's totally separate she's had it from day one um yeah she she works casually so she helps us out you know sometimes five days a week when we need it when we don't need it three days a week um she's more senior as well so she's very it just works yeah okay yeah what's what what's had the biggest impact on you in your life like a person or a book or a mentor <sighs> That's a hard question. That should have been in the pre-question so I could have a think about that. <laughs> um, I don't know. I'm going to be able to stump you or something. Look, I think probably when I was at the other accounting firm, yeah. I changed gyms um, so before my husband had a gym. And I was then surrounded by a lot of business owners. Um, mm. The guy who owned the gym, very motivational. Then I saw my husband start his business. And I guess I was surrounding myself with all these people who were starting businesses and doing really well and loving it. And I was like, I want a piece of that. I want to like achieve something big, not just go to work every day. And that, as I said, at that stage, I was a 40% partner. So I should have already been feeling like that, but I wasn't. So I was like, this mm. is just not right. And then that started me on the path to two sides, which, you know, I'm very, very happy. Do you find you've got more freedom and flexibility and time or, I guess, work-life balance now than when you were a partner in a firm? I feel like it's ebbs and flows. So, like, I look back on that early stage when I first started and, yes, I was working seven days a week, but, you know, I could log off at 3 o'clock and go to the gym. Mm. I could, you know, take a week off and take my laptop and just work and do whatever. Whereas now that I've got a team, I'm finding, and obviously a, a new team, I've got a couple of people that are new, every time you hire someone, you work twice as hard because you, you've got to be there for them mm. and show up, you know. And then I feel like... Such I'm, a disincentive to hiring someone. <laughs> <laughs> but the long-term gain, you know, it's always... Yes, if they, if they stick if around, they if they do a good yeah. job, blah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so ebbs and flows. Like, you know, at the start of the year, January, we closed the office for four weeks. Yeah. Um, the team did a bit of the bookkeeping from home just to keep up with that. But, you know, I basically had four weeks where I didn't have to do any work. And that mm. was like living the like living the absolute dream. Um, you know, a couple of years back before COVID, I went to New York for two weeks, didn't take my laptop, told the team, don't call me unless the place is on fire. <laughs> we have one call, came back and it and it was all fine. The place wasn't burnt down. And that was, that was a huge thing to do because previously I'd obviously gone away and made mm. phone calls and checked in and all the rest of it. But I was like, I need a, I need a holiday, like a Switch proper up. holiday. 
Um, yeah. Because I think when you start, you're like, oh, we can work. I can work anywhere. I'll take my laptop. Every time we went away, I'd have my laptop always be contactable and there. Yeah. But I think you've got to you've got to have that time to just switch off. And that's something you know, if you have a good team, you can definitely do. And I think that's been awesome. Hmm. Do you do timesheets in your business? We do. We do. Okay. And that was something that in the beginning I didn't want to do. I was really against. We're not going to do timesheets. It's all going to be great. <laughs> and then, you know, when you've got people working remotely, you need the timesheets because you need to see, A, what they're doing, B, whether we need to rescope it, and C, whether they need any extra training. So can you ever get rid of timesheets in professional services? Oh, I don't think so. I've had this argument with a few accountants, but I don't think so. Because okay. you can't measure it. How do you measure you know, Why do you need to measure? The work gets done, it gets done on time. Like you have a well, I guess if you do a fixed fee, you need to know if you're making any money. And yeah. I think a few accountants have said, Well, if we're making money at the end of the year, we know we've made money. And I would mm. say, Well, yes, but you could be losing money on three clients, you wouldn't even know. And if you got rid of those three clients, you might make more profit. What do they say? And they're like, Well, we don't think about it like that. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, many, many I... arguments. I saw your response uh, on LinkedIn as well uh, to Bob Harper when he asked about whether you can um, give your end compliance away for free and monetize the oh. relationship. <laughs> you I weren't too happy with that. I've got to let loose on that. I bit my tongue. I bit my tongue. <laughs> so we're not changing the business model anytime no, soon? No, we're definitely not. <laughs> no. I had a conversation with um, Paul Dunn, who's like, we, we talked about Bob's kind of approach as well. Do you know Paul Dunn? No. Okay. Dunn rings the name, uh, rings a bell, but yeah. You know Rob Nixon? Yes. Yep. So he trained Rob Nixon. He was uh, like okay. a huge version of Rob Nixon back yep. in the day. Um, but he's still very much involved in the accounting industry. So, um, and he was just telling me how like some of the car companies, like Porsche, for example, and that was a conversation I was trying to remember now. Instead of buying a car, you pay a subscription. So, you know, you're no longer like they basically made a typical thing like a car purchase into a SaaS model um, or a subscription model where you pay a subscription per month and then you can, you know, drive a Porsche. And then, you know, two months later, you get sick of that Porsche, you return it back, you pick up another Porsche, you know. Um, and I think the concept that's what inspired them to see could you do that in accounting as well, where um, you kind of monetize the relationship um, and, you know, just say, look, you pay me an amount, I will do, you know, this amount, you know, advisory, like this project, that project. Yeah. yeah. And then et cetera. So uh, there's an element of that. Like I, I don't see much difference to just kind of the fixed fee arrangement, you know, with some modifications really. But um, I think that's where they're going with that. I know they're both, there's some collaboration, there's a book coming out and all of that sort of stuff. Mm. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. Interesting. How, yeah, because there's a lot of, you know, disruption is a big thing as well, mm -hmm. right? Um, so, rapid fire questions. Okay. You ready? Yeah, ready as I want to be. <laughs> What's your favorite quote? Favorite quote this is an easy one. I've actually got a tattoo of this. Believe in you yourself. You got a tattoo of it? Yeah, believe in yourself. Yeah. Okay, when did you yep. get the tat? I got it, I think it was 2012. Um, okay. I think I was on a fitness journey and I lost a heap of weight. And so I got never give up, believe in yourself. Yeah. Okay. Is that like one tad or is that two tads? Well, it was two because I did one. I got, I wussed out and couldn't get both. And then I had to go back and get the second one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, what have you read, watched to learn recently has had the most impact on you? Um, hmm. 
I haven't been reading a lot lately because I've been too busy with work. I haven't really been watching a lot apart from crappy Netflix, to be honest. It is crappy. Do you find it's getting crappy and crappier? Yeah, I like doing a puzzle because I can't watch any more Netflix and going crazy. Uh, what was the other one? Read, watched, or... Or learned. <sighs> Besides from, you know, Accountants Exposed podcast, obviously. It's a gold mine. Yeah. I know. I guess I learn a lot about um, all the New South Wales grants. One <laughs> saver. The... Yeah, I can read that for a couple of months. That's probably all my brain could um, <laughs> could fit. <laughs> What have you bought recently that's had an impact? I bought an Audi. Yeah, you were telling me about that. I was like, wow, well, I looked it up. The guy's yeah. like a millionaire now. He's a young, he's a young, he's a young guy. Um, and, yeah, I think he's had a few failed businesses. It's very interesting hearing about his journey. But, yeah, it's an oversized, like, hoodie type of thing, oversized. Um, and, yeah, it's I guess people are buying it during lockdown because it's very warm and cuddly. And, yeah, I guess I got, I got stuck it in. It's like those towels that you see on the beach. You know, like the one that kids always have? Like the, oh, a towel that you can kind of yeah, wear? Oh, yeah, like the ones that go over the head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Same kind of concept, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, what is something most people don't know about you? Probably that I can't cartwheel. <laughs> <laughs> that is so random. It is very random. It is very random. Okay. Yeah. Um, have you ever tried? I have tried. And Lee, if you're listening, Lee, who works with Ali at All In Advisory, she also can't cartwheel. Um, we found this out. Or we were at an accountant's retreat thing. Um, yeah, and then we tried it. Yeah, it was not very um, very good. <laughs> yeah. Surprised it didn't come up on your Instagram. <laughs> um, who would you want to have a drink with the most in the world, past or present? What would you ask them? So this is a very controversial answer that a lot of people probably won't agree with, but Roxy Jacenko, I think she's great. I think she doesn't take crap from anybody. She's achieved a lot, you know, at, at her age. Um, I know a lot of people say, oh, you know, she got a lot of money from her parents and she's rich family and all that stuff. But, yeah, I just think what she's done and how she's marketed herself and grown, yeah, I think she'd be, like I did meet her at that Business Chicks event, um, mm -hmm. had a quick chat with her. But yeah, I think I think she'd be someone cool to have a drink with. Okay, what would you ask her? Oh, I don't know where I would start. I think I'd probably like I've read I've read most of her books, so I'd probably just start with like how did she how did she get started? Okay, and maybe what her what her learning what her biggest learnings are. Perfect. Yeah. Natalie, thank you so much for your time. It's been absolutely been Michael. It's been lovely. Thank you for tuning in and hope you enjoyed this episode. Please like our podcast and share it on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, wherever it is you hang out so more people can benefit from these speakers. Also, please subscribe on our website so you get all of our latest episodes. And if there's anything else I can help you with or you have speakers you'd love to hear from or some feedback about the current episode, please feel free to send an email to michael at recruitmentexpert.com.au. Until then, take care and I look forward to connecting with you in the future.